Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Episode number 90 of the LSR Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all the gaming industry. I have with me Adam Candy. I have Dustin Galker. If you'd like to follow those guys on the Twitter machine, and I suggest you do, at Adam Candy, that is two E's, no Y, at Dustin Galker. And if you really, really want to have one account that you hate follow, at Matt Brown M2, if you want to follow me, we are on all the Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, all the places that you get podcasts. So go in, subscribe, rate, and review. Really do appreciate that. And plus, it just gets automatically delivered to you every single time we post one of these. So uh, you don't have to go find it on the site. This week, of course, there will be talk about the big game from this past week and those numbers that are attached to the big game and some uh, some things that may or may not have happened uh, during the big game that allowed for some of these books to maybe not get as much of those numbers that they could have gotten. We'll talk a deal between points bet and the NHL. We'll talk about win and a few state updates as well. But let's go ahead, Dustin, let's kick things off here. With the Super Bowl, this was, you know, we expected this to be big numbers. This was the first Super Bowl with just, you know, a ton of jurisdictions open here and some of these starting to at least mature a little bit as well. And uh, the numbers so far have not disappointed. Yeah, top line number. It's uh, we don't always get reporting very uh, quickly out of all these states, but no, for the Super Bowl, everybody was anxious to get their numbers out. So we have states reporting all over the place. We in states where that have reported, we have already over four hundred thirty million dollars uh, wagered on the Super Bowl, according to official numbers from all these states. Uh, you know, if we 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 loop in the states that have not reported, we're we're pushing half a half a billion for sure. Um, that's up from two hundred sixty two million that we know was bet uh, in the last Super Bowl uh, in two thousand twenty. So uh, definitely a big top line numbers. The biggest want Nevada still still the king 136 million New Jersey uh, I think surprised us with how much was bet based on historical performance there they had about 117 million bets so yeah and then uh, a lot of states had there that were new like Colorado and, and Tennessee these are states that having online sports betting for his first time that did very well too so uh yeah just uh you know not, not shocking this is the biggest betting event of the year but we're seeing uh, some big top level numbers coming out from all of these states yeah, Adam, I mean, I, I think, you know, typically each year, March Madness actually, you know, does more handle collectively than the Super Bowl does. But in this weird year, it seems like, I mean, we saw college football, the interest in that went down as well because of the weird season. I'm wondering if we see a, a pretty sharp decline in the numbers for March Madness as well, just because of the weird year, because of all the postponements, because of everything that's going on in, in the in the world right now. Right now, uh, the Super Bowl might actually reign supreme this year, I think. It's entirely possible that it does because we don't lose the cultural relevance of the Super Bowl, no matter what else is going on. Right. And we know that with March Madness that we're used to having it spread out all over the country. So you have a number of different communities that are feeling the impact of that. Right. It's being reported on the local news. People know what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. And you don't have that. And you're not going to have local gatherings in the same way that you would 
That said, I think the one effect that does stay in place that's similar to the Super Bowl is that you have far more captive audiences. Uh, you mm -hmm. have folks who are going to be paying a lot more attention, who are going to be bombarded with the advertising that we know that they're seeing in new states to sign up for sports betting that they might not have had uh, when it comes to March Madness in the past, Super Bowl in the past, et cetera. So it'll be interesting to see how that effect works out with the uh, NCAA tournament taking place only in one spot in Indiana. And Dustin, uh, one of the things that we saw throughout the course of the game as well is not one, but two different DraftKings commercials that went live during the uh, during the game, actually pushing people to a free to play contest that was a fourth quarter only free to play contest. And, um, you know, this is uh, it, we, we thought it was like a DFS deal. But uh, if you if you go like you could sign up to this through the, through the sports book, it was kind of a generic or just said DraftKings mm -hmm. kind of the way it was. It wasn't really DraftKings Sportsbook, wasn't really DraftKings DFS, it just was branding it as just DraftKings, and then the the pool itself i mean was i can only assume from what they're going to see it was just a massive success i mean when i looked before the game started there was over seven hundred thousand people in it so i can I, you know whatever the commercial may have have added to that i didn't actually go back in and check but i mean here we are with uh with DraftKings running two commercials during the super bowl yeah, and this is, you know, Super Bowl, uh, you know, a lot of people who follow the NFL probably know the DraftKings name, even the Super Bowl, you expand that. So, you know, it's probably money well spent. You get people trying out the product, being a little bit more aware of it, what, what DraftKings is and what they do. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays long term and how, uh, you know, lots of companies get a bump out of out of the Super Bowl commercials. We'll see if that's the case. Super Bowl was not uh, not one of your artsy commercials that's trying to get get mm -hmm. uh, get some uh, some vir virality out of it it's just it was going to the contest so yeah but DraftKings they were also down a little bit before the game there was a commercial before the game and people were going there and probably couldn't get on the site so it was good that good to see that they uh, they worked that out by the time the the big commercials during the real game uh, got worked out yeah Adam that leads us to our uh, our next topic here which is if there was one day that maybe you would not want your tech to fail you it would probably be on the Super Bowl, the day of the biggest single football game of the year, the day that everybody is at home, the day that everybody is in front of the television, the day that everybody's in front of a computer or on their phone making a bet on the game. And unfortunately, we saw a ton of different outages across the industry. This was not just on one company. It was everything ranging from here in Nevada to everywhere else in the country as well. Laryngitis when you're supposed to sing the national anthem. <laughs> Horrible acne for your prom date. Like these are all of the things that are comparable to sports books having trouble on Super Bowl Sunday of all days. And as you mentioned, Matt, it's not like it happened in one or two places. Uh, we counted close to a half dozen sports books that had some sort of issue in terms of having an outage prior to the Super Bowl. Uh, one sports book here in Nevada not only had issues before the Super Bowl, but during the Super Bowl as well. I think I mentioned to you that I was going in trying to hedge out of some of my awful Kansas City bets. And <laughs> that particular sports book told me I had a zero dollar balance, which was very interesting because I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. So <laughs> what we found out was that a number of the issues uh, were coming from a back end provider, Canby, who a lot of folks in the industry know they had about a 30 minute outage uh, downtime that they blamed on one particular betting market that they would not elaborate on what the market was, but they said that on their earnings call today that there was one market that shut them down for a little while. And so that affected FanDuel, that affected DraftKings, that affected, uh, you know, Barstool. So, you know, we had a number of 
I shouldn't say that that particular event affected FanDuel. Mm. FanDuel had its own separate issue uh, going on. But, you know, that just goes to show the widespread nature of all of this that I'm actually having to clarify which issue stopped which sportsbook from uh, <laughs> being able to function. And with this data that we have from GeoComply, we saw that there were three times as many people in the U.S. attempting to make online sports betting transactions during the Super Bowl. And there were last year so you know the demand was obviously through the roof yeah here in nevada as you mentioned um it was it was way longer than than half an hour for the the folks over at mgm and of course they run a separate app here in nevada than they run the rest of the country and so apparently the rest of the country function fine but the the app here in nevada um it was it was out about an hour leading into the game and well 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 into the game as well, they did end up releasing a statement saying that they were aware of the technical issues and stuff like that. That was already like by halftime <laughs> that they released that that statement. But yeah, it was uh, it was trouble for sure. I was at a I was uh, I was with about uh, two other two other couples and both of the 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 guys that were there were both trying to access that account as well. And they were uh, unable to get in as well. And so, again, you know, the numbers were great and the numbers we're getting coming out are great. But you do have to wonder, you know, even for something like the Super Bowl, even a 30 minute downtime or in this case, a two hour downtime just how much that impacted, you know, the overall handle and what this could have been, because I'll tell you right now, Adam, I was, you're talking about trying to hedge off of yours. I was trying to double down on Kansas city in that game, which would have been more money for these guys because I would have lost that money. But fortunately I was unable to access my account. Well, the great part about what you just said, Matt, is that I was ultimately with three different sportsbook apps, not able to place the hedge bet that I wanted, <laughs> tried to place a cuter hedge bet that did not pay off. So I did find a way to ultimately give away more of my money in the long run. But you, know, you bring up a really good point when it comes to the customer service angle. I got a message back after I wrote to uh, customer service for mm -hmm. uh, BetMGM that basically said, yeah, we're aware of the issue. The response was akin to shrug emoji, right? Like mm -hmm. in another market in a Michigan or a Virginia where things are super competitive right now, you can bet your backside. I would have gotten some credit in my account for mm -hmm. what happened there. And in Nevada, it's just sort of like, eh, sorry. Yeah, nobody cares about us. Dustin, we talk about this all the time. Nobody cares about us. They don't care. I mean, I, I, I could, before the game, the geolocation was failing in Oregon or the, this, uh, this is, we have run on an SB tech platform, but I was, I was struggling for a while and like it happened last year too. It's, it's just frustrating when this stuff happens, right? Like you're, you're mm -hmm. like, and uh, it's a whole other conversation to get into I mean, it's like they're dealing, all these sports books are dealing with way more traffic than you deal with on any other yeah. normal day. So you give them some slack, but at the same time, you know, this is going to happen, you know, right. and this is, we keep hearing so much about use your experience. And like, if you keep having people come in the door to place the place, the, maybe the one time they bet every year and you want them to be a repeat customer, you want them to have a good experience and you're providing, you know, not just Nevada, Oregon, you know, New Jersey, everywhere. You're, some of them are providing you with a bad experience. So you should be, you should, you really should be preparing for this one day, which is your biggest customer acquisition day of the year and being, and being ready for it. Like, I understand there's a lot goes into that. It's not like, snap your fingers and all of a sudden you can deal with the scale, but you should like, we're, we're at the point where you should start like, hopefully next year, like these scale issues. I don't know. Hopefully they're not, they're not the problem because you, you, you do lump these on top of each other, these bad user experiences. And I think it, it, it starts adding up and makes a difference. So guys, if you're listening we know you are, you, you want to listen every week to what Dustin and Adam have to say. You have 362 <laughs> days. 
362 days from now, there will be another Super Bowl. And so uh, just spend the next 362 days. And whenever you think you got it fixed, fix it 20% better. And then there you, there you have it. And everything will be good to go as we, uh, as we move into the Super Bowl in 2022. Uh, Dustin, we uh, got our first Iowa numbers with remote registration coming in. I'm not sure there's any better example of showing what remote registration versus in-person registration means for sports betting. And the fact that we're still having this debate, it will be underscored by these numbers from Iowa. So here's what we know from Iowa. January numbers came in uh, almost $150 million in bets. That's up from about $104 million uh, in December. Now, the difference, January 1st, Iowa opened up remote registration where you didn't have to go to a physical sports book to, to, to open up an account and start start betting. Before that, you have to go to a casino that's partnered with a sports book, get your account started, then you can start betting. That is obviously hamstrung uh, what's ha- happened in Iowa, and we, we know that. And then we see this data, which absolutely paints this exact picture. We have a bright line of remote registration versus not. We had a we had whatever 18 months of it, I think, in Iowa. Something, a lot of months of it in Iowa since the law was passed, where it was said you had to you have to start your account in person. So we get to January when there's you know less to bet on. December, pretty robust in terms of there's all this college football, there's tons of NFL games, mm-hmm. fewer football games, but way more handled because all of a sudden people can just sit on their butts on the couch, sign up for an account. And now they're betting that you don't have you don't have this artificial constraint. And this is absolutely not hurting the casinos. This is, it's I mean, it's whoever's doing the best job marketing or has the best partner is, is benefiting. But this is, you know, uh, Iowa has lost out on however much tax revenue at this point because they, they, they did this. And now we're really just starting to see Iowa get started and what it's going to do. This is the new normal for them. And they'll, they'll start, you know, start. We'll, we'll, I mean, we're not going to see just huge growth because we're getting into the months without football. But once football season re- opens up, we're going to uh, in the fall again, we're going to see a lot more, a lot more betting activity in Iowa once again, because of this, this change in how registration takes place. This is uh, one of the big sticking points that Adam and I continue to talk about in in Nevada, because, I mean, yeah, the numbers are great, but you wonder what the numbers could actually be if they were to just kind of get with the times. And Adam, I'm sure you saw as well. Uh, just uh, I think it was either it was either yesterday or the day before just just then uh, the people at Red Rock here in town, a powerful local casino group said that they were still against it. Uh, yeah, uh, station yeah. casinos. The locals casino group here in Las Vegas has an outsized amount of political influence. And despite the fact that MGM, Caesars, Wynn have all gone in front of the gaming control board and said that they would like to have remote registration, uh, that has not happened. And don't think it's just a Nevada issue because we had testimony come up in Missouri just uh, in the last couple of weeks where Caesars went in there and pitched for in-person registration in Missouri. And we know that if you look literally across the river from Bush Stadium in St. Louis, that's where DraftKings is in East St. Louis in Illinois with Casino Queens. So, you know, they obviously have a powerful reason, do Caesars, to ask for that, but it is still a problem that has not been remedied throughout the country. Adam, this is a very interesting topic just from the where we were three years ago to where we are now conversation going on. But we were sitting here, comes through the Twitter machine yesterday, that the NHL has a formal partnership as far as a stake in the NHL now. 
the NHL is kind of getting like Oprah, like you get some of our money and you get some <laughs> of our money because now they own stock in multiple sports books. Uh, so the news from yesterday, as you referenced, is that the NHL is taking a small equity stake to the tune of about a half a million dollars in points bet. Uh, this news came off the Australian Stock Exchange wire where PointsBet is headquartered. It's a natural extension when you think about it in some ways because PointsBet has a deal with NBC. NBC is partnered with the NHL, at least for another mm -hmm. year plus. And so you can sort of synergize the content among the three of them there, right? When you talk about getting PointsBet content integrated into NHL broadcasts on NBC. Makes perfect sense. Now also... NHL Enterprises, the marketing arm of the NHL, we know from reports last year around the DraftKings uh, initial offering that they have a pretty significant stake in DraftKings as well. So the NHL is getting itself deeper entwined in gambling, and they at the same time are becoming less forthcoming with information. Uh, we saw this year in particular that Coaches in the NHL are not releasing information about which of their goaltenders will start any given game until five, 10 minutes before the game. And Matt, uh, you know, that's reminiscent of what we used to deal with with the NBA, where you didn't know who mm -hmm. was going to go until uh, right before the game. So that's key information for better. So as the NHL gets itself deeper entwined in betting on the business side, I think it needs to be a little bit more cognizant of what that means in terms of perception when it comes to folks thinking that they are hiding information for their own benefit. Yeah, and this is uh, kind of com coming off the heels as well of the news that, that NBC is going to be shutting down the NBC Sports Network where the NHL currently lives. And they're going to go the more Turner model where Turner doesn't have their own sports network. They understand that they have a pretty big reach with TNT. It's in, you know, 90 million plus homes. And so with that, they're like, yeah, we'll just put our NBA product on TNT. It has become wildly popular. People do go seek it out. And I think that's what they're going with that uh, with that strategy as well they're going to put the games on usa network usa network has about the same reach as tnt does and uh nbc sports network mainly they were just having trouble populating that channel right because there was just not a lot of they don't own the rights to a, a lot of different sporting events whereas an espn can easily populate a 24 7 sports channel no problem with that whatsoever um nbc was kind of just filling it with you know poker reruns and and things like that and you know car just shows like, uh, lots any, of yeah, car, car shows yeah car car shows and things that they could just buy on the cheap to kind of eat up those hours. And they decided, Hey, we'll just, we'll go the Turner route. We'll put this stuff on USA. And, and honestly, Dustin, I think that's probably a pretty smart way to kind of go about all this. Again, USA is in about 90 million homes is in about the same amount of homes as a TNT. And if people really want to watch their hockey, as we figured, as we figured out with this NBA situation with TNT, they'll, they'll, they'll seek it out on USA. Yeah, absolutely. They'll find it. Uh, I mean, the, the other part of this is is what, what whether the NHL as a betting product. I mean, this this deal is hinged on you know finding the NHL seeing the points bet as a partner. It makes makes sense. You know, I think we've seen around the country that hockey is definitely not as 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 interesting of a betting product, at least to Americans so far. Uh, it is is far down the list usually. It is you know the just just and, and we I think we we all know the three of us that you know other than the money line, like it's you know not not a there's not a ton of stuff to bet on. It's betting yeah. in game, maybe the odds, you know, the, the prop markets are, are not great or, or not that compelling. It's just, it is, it is definitely just 
become a niche uh, niche part of the sports betting ecosystem. That doesn't mean there's not room for it to grow like everything else. But um, you know, all of this is speaks to that. And and as I fam- like to fam- this one's ingrained into my memory is Gary Bettman circa two and a half years ago saying that hockey is is uh, doesn't really lend itself to gambling like other sports. That's true. But the NHL is. is also but the NHL also sees sees money and and ways to make money and and, and is looking at these you know equity stakes as ways to do that. And if they can help grow interest in NHL betting and interest in the NHL at the same time then they do that yeah and adam i think that that's a very you know listen i think that's a very real statement you and i know as well as anyone hockey really does it does not lend itself for to betting near as much as really any of the sports out there and that includes even golf and and ufc and all kinds of stuff it's just there's there's very limited options and it's also when you like uh like dustin kind of alluded to when you get into the prop markets unless you are a very intimate follower of the NHL. It's it's pretty tough to kind of get in there and start messing around with that stuff as well. Whereas the NBA, I mean, it's very simple. How many points is LeBron James going to score? I mean, you understand that's very so how many rebounds is player X going to get? You understand that very easily. Um, how many points is a guy going to score in the NHL? Some people don't even know how points are scored in, in the NHL and stuff. And so, um, you know, look, at the end of the day, do I think that this is better than nothing for the NHL? Sure. And and all of that. But I mean, uh, I'm I'm not as bullish on stuff like this helping a sport like hockey than I am basically every other sport on the planet. Like, I mean, I I think it's going to certainly help golf a ton. I think the UFC has a lot of room to to catch up with all this. I think tennis betting, certainly for for the tournaments, the bigger tournaments that take place here in the States is probably going to uh, take off a little bit with this, obviously this Sinclair slash Bally's deal and all of that, considering they own the tennis channel and all. So I think there's tons of that for these other sports. Hockey I don't know. I don't know so much. There are two things that are working against hockey when it comes to betting on the sport. One is that it is probably the least stat driven of the four major sports leagues, right? You have goals, you have assists, you have saves, you have shots. That's pretty much it, right? There's not a lot more than that when it comes to traditional hockey stats that people are used to. The second thing they have working against them is game flow because it is not a game that has golf or baseball's built in pauses that give you more opportunities to find an in-game market. You think Mm -hmm. about how hard it is to get in-game bets in on certain sports and then try to think about hockey where sometimes when you look down or go to get a drink from the (laughs) kitchen, you missed a goal. So that makes it much more difficult. But I think it's also why hockey has been so aggressive with its puck tracking technology that it started Mm -hmm. to put into play this year. Had to yank it because there were some issues actually with the quality of the puck. Uh, But they're going for sort of that next spectrum of statistics that are going to include shot velocity and skate velocity and so on like that, that I think they're looking toward uh, creating some new betting markets with that. It's just not something that's coming immediately. Dustin, we have a couple of data providers and we have some uh, interesting news about a couple of data providers. Yeah, this is pretty inside baseball or inside soccer or football, as you will. But we, what are we? But uh, but covering the inside nuts and bolts of what's going on. So this is uh, there is constantly uh, bickering between two the two biggest and two, really two only data providers in the in the, the global sports betting market, Genius Sports and Sport Radar. Um, the backstory is Sport Radar was suing for access so that it could uh, could provide stat 
uh, tracking and data tracking on uh, English Premier League, Scottish football as well. Uh, what happened this week was that uh, Genius Sports actually came and countersued um, because they have a deal with the, with these leagues to provide data. And SportRadar Sport allegedly sends data scouts. I don't think even allegedly is known. They, they are known to send data mm-hmm. scouts. And uh, this is this is all a big row about you know the protection of data and who owns it and who is allowed to to pr- provide it, both for just general media purposes and for betting purposes. So the story is, you know, maybe we don't care across this side of the pond, but it's going this way. At some point, there's going to be, you know, we know the leagues really highly value their data and puts uh, an emphasis on that. These two companies are, are, you know, providing the data for the the major leagues in the United States. Is is there going to be at some point, you know, what's going to happen in the United States with all of this? That's the the interesting part that comes out of is, will there be lawsuits in the United States? I don't know, but there are are similar dynamics as to what's going on in the UK and, you know, this data stuff, we're still, still, still in the early days of it here in the United States, but you know we, we know the NFL and all the other leagues just highly value this and, and are pushing they push legislation and they push all sorts of things around this data. So it's a, it's an, it's a, a continuing developing storyline that will follow here in the U.S. as well. Adam, uh, the Texas lieutenant governor says things. Uh, he says a lot of things, and he says things in a definitive fashion. It seems like a lot of times, even though uh, those might those his uh, his opinion might not necessarily be uh, the the end all be all to certain conversations and things. And uh, he has gone ahead and made his his opinion known, although it sounds like he's saying something a little bit more than that when it comes to sports betting. All these rumors that we keep hearing about Texas. Let's clear something up here first. It's not that Dan Patrick when I start talking about this, okay? (laughs) We're talking about Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor of Texas, not the Dan Patrick who used to be en fuego. This is the Texas lieutenant governor coming out in an interview this week and saying that sports betting legislation in the state is, quote, not going to see the light of day this session, end quote. A pretty big proclamation from a guy who actually doesn't really have the ability to choose whether that makes it to the floor or not. (laughs) I mean, you know, the most effect he might be able to have is, uh, you know, as a tie-breaking vote in the Senate. But uh, this is something that we heard probably about a month ago uh, through our Brad Allen, who had the first story out there about this, talking about that sports teams, including Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, Mark Cuban and the Mavericks, wanted to push legislation to legalize sports betting in Texas and operate it through the teams. Uh, And we've seen uh, some rumors of legislation that's going to be coming through that would involve uh, some licensure for not only the teams, but maybe some uh, other entities as well. Now, it's not easy in Texas. First of all, you're trying to find political will mm-hmm. to change something in the Constitution, which means you're looking at a constitutional amendment, which, of course, always makes things more complicated in the first place. But what Patrick was saying is that he doesn't believe the votes are there um, now. Who knows? That might be the case. That might not be the case. Uh, Matt, you made a good point to me about this recently talking about it that I'll let you elaborate on in a minute. But when it comes to does this legislation get signed, this could be the sort of thing where Dan Patrick is taking the bullet for Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, and maybe kind of getting out front and saying, even if you pass this, I can't guarantee you it's going to get through. Yeah, Dustin, Adam and I were having a a, a conversation yesterday about this, and I was just saying, you know, he the point where he was saying that they didn't have the votes. I mean, we are talking billionaires uh, here that want this done. And uh, I don't know if you know what they do with that money, but they buy political influence with through their donations and what they want to do. So for him to say they don't have the votes was just kind of laughable to me where I'm like, if Mark Cuban and Jerry Jones and Tillman Fertitta want to get together and make sure that they're, that, that, that they have the votes to get sports betting done in Texas, 
I would bet a large amount of money, which we are not legally allowed to do here in the United States, on that actually happening. Uh, I just found it kind of funny whenever he when he decided that he was saying, "Oh yeah, they didn't. They don't have the votes to get it done." And it's not even just the money. It's I mean, these are big names, right? These, I mean, uh, yeah. re- representatives in Texas. So you're probably if you're getting a call or see that uh, Jerry Jones or Mark Cuban wants something, that that turns your head too, right? That's I, I would agree. There's you know they they can leverage this to you know if that they have to have the votes on the, on the legislative mm. front. If they really, really want them, there's, there's none of, there's not the concerns of the casino. There's, I mean, every other state we deal with, there's either travel casinos or commercial casinos. That really isn't a, in play here other than uh, Sands trying to get a casino in Texas uh, on, in parallel with all of this. But yeah, I, I agree. Like uh, we're reading tea leaves a lot of times. And I think, I think Adam's tea leaf reading here is probably correct in terms of, of what, of what that, what this messaging means. And yeah, who knows where we, we have, we're sitting here guessing there's obviously a lot of big names behind Texas sports betting, whether that means it gets to the finish line. God only knows right now. Uh, we the LSR sports book. I do not think is taking bets on Texas right now, unless, unless Adam <laughs> tells me differently. Uh, no, the only thing we're taking bets on is uh, will anyone streak during March Madness? <laughs> oh boy, yeah, that's 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 a story for that's a story for a different day. And by the way, if that has popped up in your feed, that didn't happen. Just so everyone knows that that's that story is fake. Just so that everyone knows, uh, uh, Dustin, let's talk about win. And this was a you know, listen, this is uh, we hadn't talked a ton about win here over the last couple of years actually, but they are you know, win interactive is going in with win bet, and they are getting you. Know, know applications in other states going live in other states and have have continued to say that they want to be a player in this market here so uh we did get a win earnings call by DraftKings. Oh, wrong prompt, wrong prompt. Is, we're talking about a different gambling company. If you're not a gambling company and pitching sports betting as part of your, your growth plan, are you even trying these days? So that's what we got from Win when their for, fourth quarter earnings, they are they are putting sports betting out there as their growth segment. Uh, they have put definitely more resources into WinBet and they have market access closing in on 10 states now, I believe. Uh, so they are they are pushing this as something that they are that they're counting on in, in 2021 and beyond to, to to be a growth driver for them. Now, will that happen? I don't know. We we've talked on I think before on this podcast. I don't know if Win has the has the will to you know become a top tier or even a top two tier, mm-hmm. a top a, a second tier operator. It takes that you know the price of that we know takes a lot of money and a lot of will. Now they are they have at least the infrastructure, they have the market access. Will you know the Win brand outside of the, the states where they have a there's a Win Casino in Massachusetts and obviously a, a big brand in Nevada? Does that is that become something that is uh, that they can push and really bank on? I don't know. You have you you're going to have to spend a lot of money to get that brand awareness to get the you know the, they talk about digital marketing spend and and finding and finding ways. How can they get there? Maybe, but it, it, it takes a a will of spending that is not going to to create immediate terms and ter- uh, returns in terms of revenue. So we'll see. It's uh, the, the verdict is out, but you know, Win is another one of these companies that is clearly show saying we're going uh, we're making a big push in online gambling and we'll see what what comes of it and uh, buy our stock because of that. Yeah, it was um, you know, Adam, it's, you know, several years ago, 
the the win was a fairly big player, you know, in in the sports betting world, strictly because when there wasn't in any other state and Johnny Avello, who is now over at DraftKings, was running that book like they would get they'd get a lot of action. Right. I mean, people wanted to go do business with Johnny and wanted to to make that sports book kind of part of the, the you know, their portfolio of places that they went and place bets. But then Johnny left and then everything kind of opened up around the around the country. And you really didn't hear a peep from them until until real recently here. So you know, will, will that be enough? Will they have the cash? Will they want to spend the cash to, to, uh, you know, get the win bet brand into, you know, in, into people's skulls? I, I don't really know. Pure speculation coming up here. So this is not mm-hmm. inside knowledge in any way, but when Johnny Avella was there was when Steve Wynn was also deeply involved in the, his namesake business. Of course, uh, for a variety of reasons, he is not, Anymore, Johnny Avello, we know, is with DraftKings running all of their trading. Um, but as this becomes more of a corporate enterprise with Win, I think they might look at the value proposition with getting involved in mm-hmm. sports betting. And as Dustin said, I don't know that they become a, a second tier operator even, but if they can get technology that's fairly easily scalable, that doesn't cost them a lot, they have a brand that doesn't really require them to do a lot of advertising, right? The the win brand is well known. Now they're going to have to have product that can compete, but at the same time, I think that the lift is a lot less for them in terms of brand awareness than it is for some newer operators. Dustin, and while we're, while we're speculating here, we'll go off, uh, off script just for a second, but uh, you know, their friends across the street over there at uh, Sands Corp, there was rumors that came out this past week that maybe they were kicking the tires because we were saying that if they were going to get involved, it was likely going to be through acquisition, not them trying to just organically create, you know, Sands Bet or something right. like that or whatever, that they would just go out and, and acquire something. Apparently they were kicking the tires with, with 888. At least that's the, the rumor around the going around out there. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I we we did not report it. I can say I had heard that mm-hmm. rumor too. There are lots of reasons to make that connection between, uh, you know, get it, don't get into it too much. But Israel is a connection there that that mm-hmm. that makes that make a, a little sense between the two the two companies and their ethos. Um, you know, yeah, but I agree. I mean, like if Sands is going to get in, I think it's pretty obvious they have to they have to acquire something. They're not going to build something from scratch and become a sports betting powerhouse. There's just no yeah. way. This is a, a company that has you know fought tooth and nail in some ways to to stop online betting from happening. So if they're going to if they're going to get serious and they you know they're coming in and out of deficit, you're not going to sit here spend a lot of money on building something building a brand you you want to you want something ready made and they are obviously a company that can you know that has the cash or or what have you to 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 make that happen so if they are if they are indeed serious it sounds you know uh, you know if they want to get into these big states and have access and you know do something they they they're going to acquire something and do and do mm-hmm. that. So it's it's whether yeah it's whether you believe that will exist again for for a very large gambling company to finally take the plunge on on online gambling. And all, at the end of the day, this is all good, right? I think right. legacy casino companies getting in and saying this is the future. This is what moves us forward in the United mm-hmm. States, right? If we not 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 to, we all was I always take it a little bit to online casino and poker because I I focus on that too. But that's you know everybody has. To, just really needs to realize that this is the future. I think the pandemic really, you know, emphasized that in, in a lot of ways that this is a, this is a way for casinos to, you know, not be so reliant on, on just the land-based revenues and seeing companies getting more serious testing waters on, on the online betting, you know, it should be good for the industry overall. 
And Adam, uh, to put a bow on this, I mean, good, bad or otherwise, you know, from a product standpoint or from whatever they're bringing to the table here, we've always said this. I mean, more competition is better for not only innovation within the space, but for the consumer as well and everything. So, you know, like like Dustin said, I mean, when getting in and, and trying to say this is the future, if Sands wants to get in and, and, you know, acquire an 888 and actually try to really blow them up in the States where really they've kind of sat back dormant and stuff like that. Again, for for us as betters or people at least that are in those states where they will be available and stuff like that, it, this is definitely all a good thing. I mean, two ways you can look at it, right? One is in terms of what we see right now in terms of the massive, massive spend on marketing and the free bets and match bets and promos that are out there for customers in certain states right now. It's available in states that are competitive, that have open marketplaces, that are trying to get in customers as quickly as possible because they've been pretty sticky in the U.S. market thus far mm-hmm. in terms of staying with the sports book they go in with. The second thing is what you just mentioned. Product innovation is something that is severely lacking in this market overall. It's something that gave FanDuel and DraftKings a huge edge getting started because they had already invested so much in their DFS apps that they were ready to scale up when it came to sports betting. They were there for it. And there are a lot of companies right now that are offering an inferior product and trying to get by on uh, whether it's legacy, whether it's on brand or reputation or, or player database that I think in the long run are going to wish they had spent a little bit more. And it's this type of competition that probably will drive them to. Absolutely. So anyway, again, I, I, no matter what comes, I mean, whether they're whatever, no matter what they put out, I think it's just good for there to be people pushing each other within this industry. And hopefully people don't get complacent through all of this. Adam, take us home with some final states news here. Oh, I would be happy to do that for you. So the newest of the news is a bill filed in Georgia where it's looking more and more likely that something's going to get done. Uh, There are a lot of similarities between Georgia and Arizona, two states that we're going to talk about here in uh, in this update. Georgia, we saw a bill filed in the Senate that is fairly similar to the House bill. The big difference in the bills being that one bans all college betting. The new one would ban just in-state College betting, uh, a ban on all college betting in SEC country, Mr. Brown, as you know, would probably not be the wisest way uh, to launch a sports betting market. Um, Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. But the pro teams are lined up in support of it in Georgia, and that's going to go a long way to getting something done. I can tell you from some conversations I've had uh, with some folks behind the scenes there that there is political will there. It might not be quite mm-hmm. uh, out on the surface like it is in some places, but Georgia is becoming more likely to pass this year. Arizona, what we just talked about, had some hearings this week. Um, Governor Doug Ducey had to renegotiate the compacts with the tribes. They were coming up on their expiration. And tribal gaming is, of course, the primary interest in Arizona when it comes to casinos. And it seems that there might be some room for compromise there in terms of allowing the tribes a certain amount of licenses and some other entities in the state licensure as well could include the pro sports teams in Arizona, could include the Cardinals, the Diamondbacks, etc., who might be able to get in on a partnership deal like we see in Virginia with the Washington football team and FanDuel. Uh, Again, like Georgia, conservative state, Tried last year, didn't really get much traction, but seems to have a much better coordinated effort going on this year. Uh, The uh, one other state that I thought was worth updating was Mississippi. 
God bless you, Mississippi. Uh, Mississippi Mobile gets to live for another year, and that's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, Mississippi was one of the first markets to launch sports betting. They have tried every year since they launched right after PASPA. They have put in a bill to try to legalize mobile sports betting, and none of those bills have ever managed to get out of committee. So uh, the idea of Mississippi Mobile on-premise mobile which is the only legal kind in Mississippi, which none of the commercial casinos uses, uh, lives on for at least one more year. Yeah, I'm glad you put that. I'm glad you said that because I was going to add to that. I was like, I've been down there to all these casinos and none of them care about it at all. Like they there there is not even one advertisement for for downloading an app anywhere in those casinos, because, again, it's just it's not worth them putting the time and effort into it to have to try to geofence just around the property and stuff. So, yeah, it's not nothing anybody's interested in. So until they get full mobile, it will just basically be as if they only have uh, over the counter stuff going on there in Mississippi. Guys, as always, you can read about these stories in full at LegalSportsReport.com. Please go over there and check out all the great work Adam and his team have going on at LSR. Um, you can follow us on the Twitter machine at AdamCandy, two E's, no Y, at Dustin Galker, and if you really, really hate yourself, at Pause. Matt Brown. Pause right there, two. Mr. Brown. I have to ask yes. you one quick question before we get out of here. I have yeah. listened to some of your other work on podcasts throughout our network of sites, and this is the only podcast where you give that admonishment. You willingly bring people in to your Twitter account on some of your other videos. Why is it here that you have to hate yourself? I mean, here's the thing. People come here for y'all's great takes on all of the stuff that has to do with the business aspect of all of this. And they don't want to hear me talk about that. I loved seeing Tom Brady being incredibly drunk today on a boat and <laughs> celebrating his win. Or they don't need that in their lives, which I do. I love that. I'm glad Tom Brady's human. Like it's, everyone's making a big deal about the guy actually being human and stuff. So they don't want those takes. They want the stuff that that helps them along with their business and, and makes them understand this industry better. And if anything, I would just confuse them. Fair enough. Yeah, that's the way. That's kind of the way. Matt's a good follow. Follow, follow Matt. <laughs> uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, uh, all the places that you get your podcast. Please go in, subscribe, rate, and review again. Every time we post something, it will just go right to your feed. So that is the best way to go ahead and get this thing as soon as it hits. For Adam, for Dustin, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 